Hey, what's up? It's Bobby Portis. I'm Saquon Barkley. I'm Brianna Stewart. This is Showtime Sean Porter. I'm Sugar Ray Lemon. I'm Corey Brewer. I'm Sinisa Estrada, and we run this station. We run this station. We run this station. With the first pick in the 2016 WNBA Draft, the Seattle Storm select Brianna Stewart from the University of The beginning of Brianna Stewart's basketball career is the type of story most ball players dream of. Four-time college national champion, rookie of the year, league champion, and finals MVP all by the age of 24. But her hoop dream come true became a nightmare when she tore her Achilles tendon in the 2019 EuroLeague Championship, competing for a team that many in her sport felt she shouldn't ever have to. Brianna sat down with uninterrupted podcast producer John Fontanelli to discuss the broken system of women's basketball and the healing process for a league MVP who wouldn't let being off the court keep her away from the game she loved. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is Unguarded. Brianna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Is it Brianna? Brianna? Brianna. Nice. Brianna. Yeah, you got it. Okay. You can call me Stewie if you want. Yeah, everybody around here calls you Stewie. Can yeah, I call you Stewie? Absolutely. All right, cool. We're friends now. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You grew up in Syracuse. Yeah, I grew That's up in cool. Syracuse, yeah. That's I went to SU. Oh, okay. Go Orange. It's not surprising. <laughs> Communicating, communication school. Yeah, true. Did you ever, um, when you were growing up, like playing hoop, did you ever want to play at Syracuse? Um, when I was growing up, I mostly watched the men. Mm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I was at uh, the championship parade when they won with Melo. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, Jealous. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it was something that I definitely considered, especially as like the college uh, recruiting process became more and more serious. Mm -hmm. Um, But UConn, UConn was the place for me. Mm -hmm. But you at least thought about it. Yeah, I thought about it. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people kind of gave me a hard time when I... Uh, committed to UConn, but like friends, family, fa- fans, like mm-hmm. why wouldn't I stay home and you know build a program and da da da? I'm like, mm-hmm. did you go to a game? Like, do you <laughs> do you go to women's games? Like, right, yeah. And I mean, you went to UConn. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that story. Mm-hmm. Your college career is probably one of the most dominant NCAA careers anybody's ever had in any sport. Talking about four national titles, right? Two undefeated seasons. 151 wins, four losses. The only four P in UConn women's history, which a lot of people don't know, which is pretty wild to me. Do you? Um, I actually had five losses, which sucks. But oh, I'm sorry, five losses. I wish it was four, but I just I'm like, let me just get my losses right. Yeah, no, that's good. I think thank you I'm for like, fact checking. I lost to it was Notre four Dame in one season. Notre Dame three times. Mm. Four in one season. You're mm-hmm. right. Stanford and Baylor. Wow, and you remember all of them. Yeah, it was only five. <laughs> right. You don't remember 151 wins, Mm-mm, I bet. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> so did you ever stop to think or do you ever stop to think about just that four years frozen in time, how that stacks up with that rarefied air of college careers? Yeah, I think especially, you know, looking back now, mm-hmm. I look at it and especially because um, UConn's had some struggles the past few years mm-hmm. since... Uh, I've graduated, yeah. you know, you kind of realize like, wow, what we did was not as easy as we made it seem. Yeah. But still, you know, very special time. And, you know, we set the bar high, that's for sure. Yeah. 
I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you came into the league in 2016, first overall pick, 2016 Rookie of the Year, 2018 League MVP, 2018 League Champion. He's killing it. How is it different winning in college versus winning in the pros? Winning the championship, I yeah, say. yeah. Winning in college and and winning in the WNBA is is different, just because I would say like just just the leagues are different. You know, obviously, you're playing against the best players in the world in the WNBA, and in college, you're playing in against the best players in the world in college. Mm-hmm. You know, for during that four year span, mm-hmm. but then you walk into the WNBA, and every night you have someone who's won a national championship on an opposing team, who's won a college you know, player of the year on an opposing team, who's considered the best player in the world. And, you know, night in, night out, it's it's a battle, it's a grind. And uh, my first two years kind of show that because it wasn't easy. We were like 17 and 19 and 19 and 17 and not a lot of wins and kind of a lot of losses. And then my third year, we were able to kind of get it together and bring home the championship. Did you change the way you prepared? Did did become a professional change anything about your habits? Um, I think, you know, it, it took some time. Uh, so my first year kind of was a, a blur, you know, where I went right from coming off my fourth national championship to being drafted to going to the WNBA. And it was just kind of like, uh, it was a lot going on. And that was also an Olympic year. Uh, and the next thing you know, I was in China. Um, and then mm. the same thing for my second year, it just didn't go as planned, you know, didn't go the way I wanted it to. And after that, it was kind of like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be ready. And I'm going to have an MVP type year for my third year. And that's, that's the way I prepared myself and kind of followed uh, in the footsteps of, Stu- of Sue, you mm-hmm. know, how she prepares herself, who she works with, nutrition, uh, off the court working out, and it's helped immensely. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back and give yourself advice when you're a rookie or give any mm-hmm. rookies advice, what would you say about preparation, like the things you're talking about, nutrition, that type of stuff? Yeah. I mean, the preparation is just as important, if not more important than what you do on the court. You know, it's it's how you are able to play at your best, how, how you're able to be at your best. And, you know, if you're preparing yourself before you step on the court, then when you step on the court, you're going to be uh, in a league of your own, basically. WNBA players have to play overseas in the off season. Mm-hmm. Describe for the audience why that is. Because uh, if we want to kind of make as much money as we can, then you need to go overseas. And for a lot of us, a good majority of us, you're getting offered contracts that are more than what you make in the WNBA. And it's just something that you can't turn down. And uh, at the same time, you want to play and you don't want to not play for eight months waiting for than another WNBA season to start. Mm-hmm. And so what is the attitude around the league like when it comes to playing overseas? It's kind of a seen as a necessary evil. Is it something you look forward to? Yeah. I mean, playing overseas is something like it's, it's not even really a question. It's expected. It's not like, are you going overseas? It's like, where are you playing overseas? quote to the audience. This is a quote of yours, and I think it summarizes how a lot of WNBA players feel. The quote is, people on the outside think we're fighting for millions and millions of dollars in salary increases. We're not. But why is the NBA percentage of revenues at 50 and ours is at 25? Why do we have to go overseas to make so much more money? Why am I going to be the reigning MVP and still on a rookie contract? 
That's a great quote. Yeah. So I just want to commend you on your just your candor there. I'm curious, what do you think needs to happen in order to address these issues that you've outlined? You know, I think I think a lot needs to happen in a few different ways. And I think uh, the biggest thing, you know, when talking about getting the WNBA and the NBA to be the same as far as the percentages and that type of thing, you mm -hmm. know, the numbers aren't going to be the same. We're mm -hmm. not going to make millions of dollars, which is completely fine. And we shouldn't. But we should be getting the same amount of revenue as the men's, as the NBA. Mm -hmm. And whatever that turns into money-wise is what we should be getting. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's just continuing to to build our brand, to be in the public eye and to capture as many moments as we can mm -hmm. and, you know, slowly get better and slowly get bigger. It's interesting you bring up like the phrase that gets thrown around a lot with like basketball economics is BRI, right? Basketball related income, I think it's what it's called. The NBA players had a lockout in 2011 yeah. in order to get that. They didn't always have that 50% revenue, right? Yeah. Do you think that the WNBA might need to some sort of like labor issue in order to kind of get that? How do you see, like when you think about what it's going to take for you to get that equal pay in terms of income percentage, what yeah. do you think it's going to take? Well, I think you can, you can see it when you look at the U.S. Women's National Team, the soccer team. You mm -hmm. know, they're not, they're not going to uh, stand up for anything less than they deserve. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, at a point, we're at a point where it's like, we don't deserve this. It's at a point where it's like for, for women, for uh, female athletes, like call our bluff. Mm. You know, like you don't think we're going to do it like we're going to do it. Of course, we love this sport. But like at the same time, mm -hmm. we love it to a point where we know we should be getting more and we should be receiving more. And that's in, in all aspects, not just how much money we're making. Just to go back to something you mentioned about kind of like the perception around the league and like things like sponsorships that bring in that extra money. Do you feel like that's changing a little bit? Like with like league fits and yeah. just like the perception around WNBA players in general? No, absolutely. I think that, you know, the way last season ended and then going into this year, I think that there's been a lot of momentum uh, for us as a league and just the way that we're continuing to gain an audience mm -hmm. and an audience from, from different areas and different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And people are realizing like, okay, we're not the NBA, we're the WNBA. And we still have fire fits. Like we still Hell yeah. do great things off the court. And at the same time, like we can play basketball just the same as anybody else. I think the biggest thing for me as a basketball fan that has changed throughout this decade that I've seen is people have realized if, if you love basketball, you love the WNBA. Right. It's a great league for just people who love who. And I think that started to change, just the product on the court mm -hmm. itself. And then also those other things of like, Hey, WNBA players are cool and fun <laughs> yeah. and interesting and they have fire fits and they have great personalities. What's been the biggest revelation for you when it comes to that stuff? You know, like you said, if you're if you're a basketball fan, you pay attention to the WNBA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have all these naysayers and everybody else on social media like, you know, WNBA players suck, go back to the kitchen, all this all these stupid things. Mm -hmm. But it's like if we have an appreciation from, you know, you and we have an appreciation from NBA players and everybody else and why like these no-name people why do you want to have be twitter fingers and, and tear us down and that type of right. thing and and i tell this to people all the time it's like the WNBA is more fundamentally sound mm -hmm. than the nba yes and and that's a fact yeah. and like if you watch you can notice it because nba they can survive on raw athleticism mm -hmm. and playing above the rim and dunking and and things like that and whereas we're not above the rim like that and we're below the rim and now we have to make reads and we have to use our IQ and mm -hmm. like 
how am I going to get this bounce pass through three people type of thing. Right. Um, and we're playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting you bring up fundamentals because here at Uninterrupted, we produce The Shop, right? Yeah. It's one of my favorite shows. I love The Shop. Yeah. The first episode of The Shop that had LeBron and Draymond on it, which shouts to Le- Draymond. I think he's walking around here somewhere. Uh, they talked about how a lot of guys in the NBA don't know how to play basketball. Right. Because of what you described. They just always got by on raw athleticism. Mm-hmm. That can't be true of the WNBA, right? The basketball IQ has to be so much higher. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get you're not going to get far if you just are surviving on raw athleticism because it's like okay, people have it. You know, people are athletic, but then also they can shoot and they can dribble and they can do this and it's a competitive league. We only have 144 roster spots. So mm-hmm. like if you're not on top of your stuff, you're going to get cut mm-hmm. and someone else is waiting for you to get cut so they can take your spot. You suffered an injury playing overseas. You're in the EuroLeague Championship game caused you to miss the 2019 season. The thing that I've noticed since that time is you've been so outwardly positive mm-hmm. and so lighthearted. <laughs> outwardly positive. I'm sure outwardly, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's been Keyword, a, outwardly. <laughs> uh, where do you find the strength and the motivation to, uh, to go through what you're going through with a smile and a great attitude? You know, honestly, uh, so I ruptured my Achilles, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely hasn't been the easiest thing in the world. Um, but I think that, you know, speaking right now, I've gotten through the hardest part and I've gotten through the worst part. And the worst part was the first probably eight weeks. You're in the cast, you're on crutches, you're in a boot, you're on crutches, still can't walk normally. Like you're walking in a boot. Like it's just, it's a complicated process and your independence goes out the window. You need help from everyone. And like Mm -hmm. for me, I ruptured my right one. So like I kind of drive, I kind of drive for three months. I mean, I can drive now, but mm-hmm. and now I have to like go and rely on someone else to do everything. But, you know, I've been trying to stay positive because I'm on my way back. You know, I'm working my way back. It's a slow process, but every day is a step. And, you know, I don't know why I ruptured my Achilles. I'm not sure why it happened to me, but there's another reason for it. And there's something else that I can do outside of basketball. And that's what I'm trying to do. I love that attitude. See, great attitude. This is what I'm talking about. And not a lot of people will be able to be so positive. Yeah. And so I really, I admire that. And when you mentioned being an independent person, having to depend on others, mm-hmm. who have been the people that have helped you the most in your recovery? My agents for sure. My mom, uh, she was here the day I got surgery. I had surgery in LA and my best friend, Corey, he's around here somewhere. Um, he's really been like a ride or die because he's been the one that when I couldn't get around, has been getting me to rehab, getting me to all the things that I need to be at. And, you know, just goes to show like, obviously, you know, I'm a great basketball player or whatever, but outside of that, you know, I have a great circle of people that are helping me get back to be better than what I was. I was so excited when I saw that video of you walking around with your dog. I'm sure that something that's helped a lot has probably been the reaction on social media and that support. How much has that helped to feel that like outward love coming in? Um, It's been, it's been huge. And I think, you know, you don't really understand how big it is until you do something that kind of alters your life, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I, rupturing my Achilles was, was life altering in, in one way or another, but mm-hmm. the amount of support that I received from everyone, you know, how people are so interested in, in how I'm going to get back and that type of thing. And just really um, wishing me a speedy recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps, you know, you appreciate it because things like this, you're like, how am I going to do this alone? And then mm-hmm. you realize, okay, I have my circle and I have this bigger circle of people behind me that are helping me get through it. And when you get <coughs> injured away from the WNBA, does Seattle, does the league help you in your recovery? Are they there supporting you? Yeah. So, 
Um, the WNBA and Seattle are both very supportive in, in what I'm doing. Um, with Seattle, I'm currently suspended from the team. It was a mutual decision just so I don't take a roster spot because I'm not going to be able to play this year. So hmm. why would I take someone's spot where just in case we need it as a team? And then the WNBA, I'm working with the WNBA and being an ambassador mm-hmm. for, for the year and just kind of being around, promoting the league in a different way and, and kind of um, just focusing on some some different things, some, some other important factors, you know, uh, involving the youth a little bit more connecting the gap between WNBA and, and the youth and being able to be at things that I normally wouldn't be able to be at. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool when that news came out about you being an ambassador mm-hmm. to the league. I, I thought that was just such a cool move by them. What was that conversation like? How did that start? You know, it was a conversation that my agent called me and was like, uh, the WNBA wants to have you be an ambassador, you know, first time ever, that type of thing. And And for me, it was cool because it's like, you know, I'm not playing, but that doesn't mean I'm I'm not a part of the league, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. just because I can't play and I'm not technically on a roster um, and the WNBA wants to, to make sure I'm around, cares about me and um, still show everyone that, you know, Stewie may be out, but Stewie's, Stewie's still right here. I've heard you compared by yourself and others to Kevin Durant, you know, both scoring forwards and that. Uh, You're a few months ahead of him in terms of your respective recoveries. Yeah. What advice would you give to KD? Um, So KD and I have talked Mm. um, pretty frequently just because I think we're the only two people going through this process right now at this level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am, I'm about eight weeks ahead of him. Mm -hmm. And I've given him a lot of advice, you know, from the early stages of post-surgery, like wiggle your toes, take the medicine right when you're supposed to, like stay ahead of the pain, that type of thing. Hmm. And even now, like he's he's out of the boot. He's moving, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's a whole different world. You know, he feels great. And once you get out of that boot... better last time you were here you were in the boot and i just i was feeling for you the boot sucks the (laughs) crutches suck everything sucked yeah um but now it's like once you can move you're like okay Mm -hmm. because in the beginning like i couldn't even shower i couldn't even put two feet on the ground in the shower what'd you do one leg my hip was burning (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. yeah that's tough that's the stuff people don't see right Everybody sees the Instagram picture from the hospital bed. Everybody sees drinking like the, the juice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The drinking the juice picture was so good. If you guys, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Brianna's uh, Instagram, you get it's like one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow. But just like those parts of your journey where you let people in, yeah, there's all that stuff they don't see, right? Mm-hmm. The stuff of not being able to walk your dog, not being able to get around. And the one question I have for you about your comeback is. Do you think you'll play overseas again once you're healthy? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think I'll play overseas again. I think um, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of just when. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know technically when I'm going to be ready. Hopefully, we will be able to play January, February. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, more of a decision of do I wait for the WNBA and just make sure my body's really right? Do I go overseas then? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But this is an important year coming up. Obviously, Tokyo 2020 mm-hmm. um, is something that I plan to be a part of and making it an emphasis to make sure I'll be back. That's amazing. Whenever I see about you, hear about you, read about you, it's always basketball. What are your passions outside of basketball? 
My passions outside of basketball, you know, I love to go shopping. I love to go to the movies, which I've done a lot because movies is easy and it's handicap accessible. <laughs> and then, you know, even stuff like right now, like, honestly, I like doing anything that's simple. Walking mm -hmm. around. I like walking around because I had to go too much without walking. And it was terrible. And so you don't take that for granted anymore. Mm -mm. No way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm fine. Now that I can walk, I'm fine. I think they call that perspective, right? You gain new perspective. Absolutely. Like you never realize how something so simple is so important. And so our slogan at Uninterrupted is I am more than an athlete. It's always interesting to see how every athlete interprets that differently. Yeah. What do you think of when you hear the phrase, I'm more than an athlete? Uh, what I think of when I hear the phrase, I'm more than an athlete, is just the fact that exactly that. You know, right now I can't play basketball. Obviously, I'm still a basketball player, but I can't play. And, you know, it gives me an opportunity to focus on things outside of my life, outside of the basketball court and make a difference in other ways. Because, like I said earlier, I don't know why I got injured, but there's an underlying uh, reason and factor and I'm going to take advantage of it. You mentioned making a difference in other ways. Not the easiest subject to talk about, but the article you wrote for Players Tribune. Yep. The work you're doing with Rain. Yep. You've talked a lot about this and, you know, anyone who's interested in these, the topic has, there's a lot of, a lot of your perspective is out there. I'm curious. The one question I would have for you about that is, um, what advice would you give to young people who are being abused or have been abused? You know, you're not alone. And you may feel and seem like you're alone, but you're you're not alone. And a lot of other people have, have been in your shoes and, and even the ones that you may least expect. Um, and it's, it's a journey, but, you know, you're strong enough to get to this point that, you know, you're going to be okay. And there are a lot of people that are willing to help you and... It's not your it's not your entire story, basically. It doesn't define you. It doesn't define you. It's a part of your story. And looking back, you're gonna look back and be like, Wow, I did all this stuff and look at what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And it may seem from the outside like, you know, when you have a moment like you have with the players should be where you're able to be honest. Yep. Not just with yourself and your family, but with the entire world, that that's maybe the end of the journey. I'm sure you still have things that you're that you're going through. So where are you at with with your journey there? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely not the end of, end of my journey. I think, you know, opening up about it and, and kind of telling the world is, is one thing, but you know, it doesn't like make, make it all go away. You know, it still happened and as many positives to uh, my story that I'm trying to put out there, you know, there still are negatives because it was mm, a bad thing. But, you know, I'm in a great place. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I've kind of, I've, I've accepted it. And now just trying to do what I can to, to use my story to help others. I know a lot of people have come out and commended you uh, on your ability to share yep. and your ability to help others. I just want to add myself to that list because it's, it's really incredible what you've done and what you're continuing to do. And I think you deserve to be commended for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so... In your recovery, yep. what's next for you? What are you looking forward to? Um, in my recovery, I'm looking forward to being able to shoot. Mm. I should be able to shoot soon. You haven't shot at all? Not even like a wheelchair I mean, or something? I'm like, what's the point? Mm. Like, why do I want to? I'm never shooting like that in a game. Right. <laughs> Unless um, you're getting fouled and you're like falling <laughs> right. down. But yeah, 
being able to shoot and um mm-hmm. this month I'll, I'll be progressing to to jogging to running so mm-hmm. it'll be nice then i'm gonna start getting busy because it's more <laughs> than just a toe toe flex whatever right that's when the real work begins. Mm-hmm. So let people out there know how they can find you, follow you. You can find me on Instagram at Brianna Stewart 30. And I believe you can find me on Twitter at Brianna Stewart. And that's basically it. Um, cool. I'm out here. I'm on I'm on social media. So <laughs> follow me. Yes. And on League Fits, popping up on League Fits a lot mm-hmm. too. Trying to pop up. <laughs> Stewie, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, remind everybody out there, who runs this station? We run this station. WRTS is produced by John Fontanelli. Our editor is Chris Wotherspoon. Our production assistant is Logan Castrodale. Additional production support by Matt Perret, Lauren Jones, Cody Moore, and Uninterrupted's athlete relations team. Our executive producer is TD St. Matthew Daniel. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is WRTS. We run this station. 